Welcome to Training for Manhood, an ongoing exploration and adventure intended to be fast, fun, and formative for guys who desire to be the best men they can. Young or old, there are always areas for improvement, growth, and maturity. We hope you'll pay attention and put into practice the useful advice you hear on this podcast. But remember, the goal isn't just to listen, but to do what you learn. Welcome to Training for Manhood. Hey guys, welcome back to Training for Manhood. This is Dan Panetti. I've got Chris Sherrod. Chris, welcome to the program. Thanks. Great to be here. Yes. Uh, we're, we're actually sitting in Dallas and, and this is your office. This is my office. This is a beautiful view. Now this is audio only. Yeah, <laughs> so, right. So even talking about things that we see does not help the listener. Right. Um, but it's kind of cool because you overlook um, 635 LBJ yep. Freeway um, looking down into Dallas and it's just a, it's a beautiful view. So oh, yeah. yep. thank you for sharing this with me. I'm excited to be here. Yes. I'm excited. Um, because of the particular work that you do, um, as we want to talk to young men about some things specifically, um, you've got a great background um, and job for this. So tell us a little bit about what you do specifically. Okay. Well, I, for the last year and a half, have been here in this role. I'm the marriage and family director. So what that means is <clears throat> I'm involved in or over the people that are over the kids ministry, the student ministry, mm-hmm. the marriage ministry, mm-hmm. and any parenting ministry that we do. I love it. So it covers a lot from blended families to single parents to our preschool kids. I yeah. mean, it's just there's a lot. So. Yeah. It's all under that category. That's so good. Yeah. I love it. Well, the way I wanted to set it up was I wanted to talk about the state of marriage, Mm -hmm. right? The state of marriage in the family today. Um, And I know that statistics can sometimes give like a very narrow view of something, but at least gives us a framework of what marriage looks like in our culture right now. And and you and I see it. So it's not like we don't know. We're not aware. I'm not going to say anything where you're like, oh my goodness, that's so surprising and Mm -hmm. shocking. Um, But there's just some, some things that to me are like interesting and concerning and i want to i want our guys to know um about how they can not fall into these you know categories of statistics but how they can do things differently so um just a couple things right one is that over the last 50 years marriage rate in the u.s has dropped by nearly 60 Mm percent so people aren't getting married and then the other thing about that which is kind of crazy um is just how long like people aren't getting married and they're they're if they're getting married they're actually getting married much later Right. And so this one thing said the number of women entering their first marriage between the ages of 40 and 59 has jumped 75 percent. Wow. That's so like, huge. Yeah, okay. It's like yep. so not, not their second, not their third, not their fourth marriage. Right. Mm. Which by those ages, it's kind of like, well, you know, what marriage are you on? It's like, no, that's my first. Right. Oh, yeah. Not getting married until between 40 and 59. Right. And so as you just look at that uh, concept, um, it said 70 years ago, a majority of U.S. households, 80 um, percent. Right. Were we're made of married couples. And today, for the first time ever in America, it's less than half. Wow. Yep. Okay. So less than half of the U.S. households have mm. married couples like leading those households. Um, so I, I just want to talk to you about that, right? Yep. I'm, I'm a guy out there who's listening, right? And I'm like, okay, Chris. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to be successful in marriage and my family, okay? I don't want to just be successful um, in the job, in the work world. Um, but here's the deal, right? I, education uh, is all about me learning information about um, you know, reading, writing, and arithmetic. Okay, I, I go to college and I got a, a degree, and I paid a bunch of money for it, Chris, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> for me to go out and be successful in my job, right? But that's not all that I am. I want to be successful in marriage and family. But I mean, last time I checked, there isn't necessarily a degree you're going to get from the university of whatever. Um, and so, 
you know, here's the deal. You and I are both in this world. We want men to be successful in it. We want marriages and families to be successful. So let's just, where would you start? Where would you start for a young guy who's saying, I want to be successful. Help me in that endeavor. I love what you said there about how a lot of guys feel like I've been trained in these areas. Mm -hmm. So I know what I'm doing. I feel competent. I I like to compare it to the emperor's new clothes. If I could use that analogy where um, you talk to a young you know, husband or young dad about, hey, you're leading your wife, you're leading your family, and they kind of go, oh, of course, I mean, for leading, yes, yes, leading my, who isn't, you know, but in their mind, they're like, I have no idea what that means. Yeah. Do I need to, like, write a devotional? Do I need to have a craft? Do I need to have, like, 30 minutes every day Seriously. with my, and, and so there's this, or learn, go to Bible well, school. Well, okay, what's funny is if you think about that, right, I've, I've coached a lot of my kids yep. in, a, in a particular sport. And if you said, um, you know, basketball practice, mm-hmm. okay, um, I would go out there and I would specifically put together some drills and some, you know, things for them to do, right? Yeah. We'd work on, you know, ball handling, we'd work on shooting, we'd work on our defense, right? So yeah. I'm leading the team, right, um, from a coaching perspective, because there's some practical things I can do. Now, yeah. if I went, okay, well, go, let's go home, I'm like, okay, so where are the shooting skills, right, and the ball handling <laughs> skills right. from a family perspective yeah. that I need to have? Right, because that's, so that, yeah, that's what we feel like as guys, right? Yep. It's like, yeah, I'm I'm great when it says, um, hey, the sales team, right? Improve your numbers by twenty percent. Yeah. Oh, okay. So we sit down, we put together a strategy, we come and up we with can something. See it. Yeah. Right, we can see it. But you're right. From a family perspective, from a marriage perspective, what does that look like? Yep. Well, so here's a few things. One, the, the main thing I always start off with, no matter what, whether you're single, married, or, or a dad, um, is your own. Walk with the Lord. Mm-hmm. So it's there's this um, acronym um, OYOG that I heard from a friend. Okay. Own your own growth. Oh. And that's what OYOG meant. And the first step is really um, you making sure that your own walk with the Lord is strong and yeah. growing and vibrant. So I use the analogy of the oxygen mask when you're on the plane. That's right. Stewardess gives you the little spiel that we all kind of tune out. But they say if the advent of the loss of cabin pressure – you know, oxygen masks drop down, and you put yours on first. If you're traveling with a child, put yours on first, which sounds like what about women and children first yeah, kind of a thing. But yeah. what they but know is intuitive, right? Like, yeah, hey, I should I should be helping others. I'm, right, I'm the man. I should be protecting yep. my wife and child. I'll put theirs on first. Yeah, but, but what they know is if you're not breathing, you can't help somebody else <laughs> breathe, right? So um, the 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 big thing is um, not not in a selfish way, but first of all, if if I'm not growing in my walk with the Lord and I don't have a vibrant dependence on him. And here's the big one. If my identity isn't grounded in him um, first, then it's going to affect how I am as a husband, as a dad um, in a a detrimental way. So first thing is knowing who I am, whose I am in Christ, um, seeking that relationship first. Yeah. So you, I think, I think that's important. I I kind of try to let people know it's like, um, the fruit that you get from a tree mm-hmm. is based on the seed that you planted. Yeah. Right. So if I plant an apple seed, I'll get apples. Right. Yeah. If I plant an orange seed, I'll get oranges. Mm-hmm. If I plant a watermelon seed, I'll get watermelons. Right. So whatever seed is planted in your life, right, that will be the fruit that you bear. Yep. Right. Now we can talk about, you know, how to bear that fruit. What does it mean to abide in Christ or all the different things? But it starts with the seed that's planted. Yeah. So if you don't have that seed of Christ planted in your life, if that's not right, you know, you've died to yourself and you've been raised with Christ. If that's not there, you can't produce the fruit yep. of godliness, right? Yep. It just, you don't have the seed of godliness. Yep. You can't produce the fruit of godliness. So if that's what you want in your family, I love this, right? It's, yep. you got to start with yourself. You got to start with your own personal spiritual walk, right? And, and that, honestly, we do a lot on this podcast about just how do you have an assessment of what that looks like? 
you know, I yeah. mean, how do you how do you evaluate? How do you look yourself in the mirror? Feel like mm-hmm. Michael Jackson, right? Start with the man in the mirror, <laughs> right? But how do you how do you actually do that? And I'm glad you started with that because that's a great reminder yeah. to our guys, right? Before we start talking about leading others, put on yeah. your own mask. And it's really humbling, um, even using the the analogy you just gave there, Jesus, when he talked about abiding, he just said, "Listen, the truth is, apart from me, you can do nothing." nothing. And yeah. young men don't like to hear that. We like to think like I that's can right. do this on my own. But the truth is, I really need to stay desperate. And if it's important to me. The way to think of it is if, if something's important, you make time mm-hmm. for it. If it's not important, you make excuses. Oh, so that's good. Just, just do it. That's a, t- that's a T-shirt, right? There. Uh, right. <laughs> <clears throat> the second thing that I think is helpful, this is a really freeing definition I heard of leading. Okay. Um, a guy said, leading your wife or even leading your family is encouraging faith in their heart. So encouraging faith in the heart of my wife is how I lead her. So that was really freeing. Uh, t- and then, but he explained, so what that means is you need to know your wife. <clears throat> Excuse me. You need to know what encourages faith in Amen. her. Yes. It, so, so some people, it's like praying together every night, or me reading to her, or us reading a devotional, or sharing what I learned. Whatever it is, I'm, I'm leading her by doing that. Yeah. Um, same but thing with my kids. This may seem like a, a crazy thing, but my wife loves me to ask questions of her. Mm-hmm. Right. So yep. I mean, it, it's weird, right? Leading can be asking questions, yep. right? As opposed to giving information. Yes. Like, l- let me, hey, hey, Chris, let me teach you, right? Yeah, <laughs> right? Exactly. But one, one of the great ways of leading is, hey, Chris, let me, let me ask you questions, mm-hmm. right? So you're not following, right? But you're yeah. receiving information, which lets you know where the other person is. Yep. And so, I mean, I think that's a, a, a great reminder, right, for men, leadership in this world has become kind of the, you know, hey, I'm the one out in front beating the drum and everybody's yeah. got to follow in my footsteps. Right, and it's like right. eh, I don't. I don't see Jesus doing a lot of that. I see Jesus asking more questions than he answered. Exactly, and that's kind of a crazy concept, right? I mean, yeah. as a husband, it's okay to ask questions, right? It's yep. okay to say, "Hey, honey, what have you been working on? What have you been reading?" Right? Tell it to me, right? And it's like, and now I'm learning, and it's like, wait, if you're learning, you're not leading. And it's like, sure you are. That's perfectly yep. fine, right? You're leading by example. Yep. That you're open to learn. And I would say the only thing that would hold you back from doing that is going to be your pride. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> totally. <laughs> if I start asking the questions, she might be like, well, how come now? Or you haven't been in the industry. You just yeah. got to get over that. Yeah. It's okay. Or what my kids used to say, hey, Dad, did you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I always felt like I had to say yes. Because mm-hmm. if I felt like, oh, no, I didn't know that. It's like, whoa, you didn't. You didn't know that, right? right? But the reality is, it's like, yeah, there's a lot of stuff I didn't know. And when you surround yourself by learners, right, you're constantly going to be learning. So when somebody says, hey, Chris, did you know? And you go, no, I didn't know. That's so cool. And you put yourself in that position of humility of of saying, yeah, hey, I'm a learner, and I want to be around people who are learners. And that's what the kids, I think that's what our our kids really want is they are not looking for perfection at all. They want to see the the reality of that. And so when a dad says, can I share with you guys what I just read today? Yeah. I've never seen this before. Yeah. That does so many great things. It shows them you haven't arrived. You're still learning. That's you're right. humble. That's right. And they can relate to that. They can't relate to – I think as <clears throat> as men, I know sometimes we're like, well, I was reminded today. We like to kind of say that <laughs> instead of, no, I didn't know that. That's, yes. that's great to know. Yeah. So back to the wife. I think – my, my three applications, really, of Ephesians 5, which is such a great passage about yes. uh, husbands and wives, is really breaking it down into um, three simple steps. And so it talks about husbands, you need to love your wives in a very particular way. And obviously uh-huh. the the Greek word there is love, which is agape. So mm-hmm. there's no strings attached. I'm not, I love you if or when or because. I just love you. Yep. But it says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. 
that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. And then he goes on and talks about to present her to himself Mm -hmm. uh, blameless. So even just taking that right there, um, the three words that I get out of this are, are love, serve, and lead. So I'm loving my wife as Christ. So right away, I acknowledge I can't do that. Like, I just don't have the strength. I don't have the patience. I'm going to run out of love. I'm going to run out of... It's a great place to start. I know, right? But yeah. again, so I'm back to this. God wants my dependence, not my performance. Like, go. he wants me to be... So I'd read that. i just go, so Lord, there we go. I've got to start off totally dependent on you yeah. if I'm going to love Katie the way that I, I should. So loving my wife um, unconditionally. And then it says, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And that's the serving part. That when the disciples on numerous occasions were arguing about who's the greatest, Jesus just kept either bringing them back to think of it like a child or like a servant, like I'm here not to be served but to serve. Mm. Like that's leadership. So you lead by serving. So laying down your life for your wife, and it's hard. I think it's harder to do this on a daily basis than like to take a bullet for your wife because the one and done thing, like I can take a bullet and then I'm done. But the daily putting her needs before my own, thinking of her what would bless her right now? Could I get her coffee right now? Could I make up my side of the bed? Whatever it is that serves my wife yeah. is leading her. So there's that way. And then the, the real leading is is where it talks about um, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. And I think of just the word initiative, that I'm taking the initiative to talk about God's word. All, all I know from that passage, it doesn't tell me exactly how to use God's word. It's just saying you've got to bring God's word into the relationship somehow. Yeah. That's what Jesus said he's using to sanctify the church. And in John 17, that's what he prayed, you know, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. So what that means is I've got to figure out, going back to that definition of leading, how can I encourage my wife's faith through the word? So is it we're going to memorize something together or we'll do a Bible reading plan together or um, – which I tried with my wife and we can't stay on the same track. It's just she likes to go, you know – Sometimes if we skip, I'm like, it's okay. We can just move on. She's like, nope, we got to go back. And so we keep getting further and further apart on yeah. that. So we learned, like, it's more you you read and I'll read on our own, and then we'll talk about what God's teaching right. us. And, um, and every couple may be different in that. They're all different, right? yeah. Somebody's doing this and somebody's doing that. The principle that you're getting across is, right, that you're intentional about doing something. Yes. And it goes back to your first principle that you're doing this on yourself first, yeah. right? So you're getting washed in the word yourself before you're taking the word to your wife, yeah. right? Because it's not like, hey, listen, I'm washing you with the word, but I'm unclean, yeah. right? It is, hey, the, the word is washing over me. Yeah. And, it's, it, and then it gives you a different perspective of your wife, right? Because yeah. then it's full of the grace and the patience and the, uh, the gentleness and the kindness, mm-hmm. right? That, that is overflowing because, right, God has started with working with you first. Yeah. Yep. So I think that because that's one of the things I see is, you know, men who try to, um, you know, minister to their wives by continuing to remind their wives what they should be doing. Right. As opposed to saying, hey, God, start here. Yep. Right. This is this is where the work starts. And then let me show you. Right. By connecting to your wife in a loving way and finding out. What what is it that's going to help her grow? Yeah. Right. How can I minister to her? Right. How can I cultivate what God has given me so that right at the end of five years, at the end of 10 years, at the end of 20 years? Right. She's a greater version of what God has created because she's been with me. Yep. And I'm even reminded just as you say that I need to ask my wife more. How can I be praying for yeah. you? Because, again, that's open up this vulnerability thing sure. where I, she might ask me, <laughs> she can pray for me and I might have to, you know, <laughs> but it's OK. Um, so anyways, I think. 
with that is I'm spending time in God's word. Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Mm-hmm. And so what this is just what you see in social media, with sports, anything, whatever I'm excited about, I talk about. That's right. It's just the way we're wired. Yep. And so um, if I'm excited about God's word, excited about a passage growing on my own, then I've got something to talk about. Um, I don't have to, you know, make it up. And it's the same thing with your with your children. That um, when people think about how do I lead a family devotional, it's like, well, just what'd you read this morning? Would just you? talk about what God taught you. Yeah, uh, it's okay. Yeah, you yeah. don't have to have some big. Um, and, and that's the thing. I mean, just gut check, right? If you haven't been in the Word and you're not excited about God's Word, when you try to sit down and you try to manufacture something yeah. for the kids, right? It, that's worse. Yep. That's worse because the kids pick up immediately, right? Like, this is programmed. This isn't heartfelt. Um, this is hypocritical. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they see religion and not relationship, and yeah. that, that turns them away from their father. Because yeah. who wants that, right? Who wants to be impressed upon by something that I don't really heartfelt believe in, yeah. right? Like, hey, here's a bunch of rules that you've got to follow that, honestly, I don't really follow, but I'm going to impress them on you. And it's yeah. like, that's... That's such not what God, I mean, if you look at the life of Christ, right, right, as he walks with people, he's not sitting there beating them over the head with a bunch of rules. Yeah. He's ministering to them. He's healing them, yeah. right? He's restoring them back to the way that God has designed them, and he's doing it in a loving way. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's like, yeah. hey, yeah, go do that. For uh, eight years, I was a youth pastor, and I, I, mm. I saw that, unfortunately, in a lot of kids where their parents would come to me, first of all, and yeah. say, hey, make sure you're talking about this or this or this. And these are things that I knew they weren't doing in their life. Exactly. But they wanted me to be the one telling them. And again, I think that's where kids are not rejecting our theology. It's our hypocrisy. Because oh. again, they just want to so see the reality yep. of this relationship. Yep. Like, not perfect, but just real. Is this real? Does it really, is this just a hobby we do on Sundays and Wednesdays? Or is this something that actually, you know, changes um, your life? Yeah. With the With the parenting part, I really... I have to go back to Deuteronomy 6. Like, it's just such a... Not a uh, better place to go. When, you know, when Jesus was asked what's the most important commandment, then yeah. he quotes Deuteronomy 6, which is loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then what I love is in Deuteronomy 6, it then the very next verse, that's starting in verse 4, uh, it says, um, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Yeah. Um, and that's, again, going back to what Jesus said, that what's on your heart you're going to talk about. So the first application after loving God, having his word in your heart, is then teach them diligently to your children. And I think that's where, again, a lot of parents feel like, or a lot of men feel like, teach them. Oh, my goodness. I don't know how to. And what's interesting is that Hebrew word for teach them diligently, uh, that's the only time in the whole Old Testament it's translated that way. It it always means some form of the word sharpen or um, to pierce, Mm -hmm. like an arrow or a sword. I uh, like to wet a sword, those kinds of things. It always means that. And so a Hebrew reading that passage would, would would immediately in their mind think, that's the picture analogy that God's trying to get me as a parent to think of. I'm, I'm sharpening them with this or I'm, yep. I'm piercing to their hearts with this. Like it's it's not just like information transfer. Yeah. <clears throat> and which, then – Which takes you to Psalm 127 when he talks about kids actually being arrows. Exactly. Right? Like exactly. They're, that's they're so immediately true. Make, it's like, wait a second. So I got, right. I got arrows. And it's like, yeah, yeah, remember? I told you to sharpen them. Exactly. <laughs> that's such a good point. Um, so then this is a great part. It says uh, teach them diligently to your uh-huh. children and talk about them only on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. That's right. Yeah. No. For one hour a week. Exactly. That's, that's it. No. No, yeah. no, it says talk about them. And then he just says, here's four windows yeah. of opportunity. Yeah. When you sit at your home, for me, most often I am sitting in my home with my family at dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, when you walk along the road, that would just be in transition. So for us, it's in the car. Yep. Um, 
when you lie down and when you get up. So bedtime is this window of opportunity where you have you can have conversations, and it's so tempting yep. to want to just get him to bed and then as fast as you can get out of there. But yeah. that is this this uh, window where, unfortunately, they do want to talk sometimes to get out of going to bed, but you have their ear, like you yeah. can talk. And then in the morning, again, before they leave, you know, leave for the day, you can give them some encouragement. Um, so we, a, a book that I read last year that has really impacted me in so many fun ways is this Habits of the Household mm-hmm. by Justin Early. And what I love is he just says, listen, those those four, you know, opportunities, for example, you're already doing them in, in some way. Yeah, exactly. Just be intentional. Yep. Just pick one. Like, you don't have to do all of them every day, but just pick one. And make that hey, this is going to be our time when we do this. Yes. And um, we've we've started um, a few different habits in our family. But I just love um, where my kids see that pattern and they're mm-hmm. looking forward to it. And they just kind of know like well, this is what we do. Yeah. And I think we're the ones who make it awkward starting something new with the family. Is totally. we think it's weird or we yep. think it's awkward yep. for them. They're just like this is just what we do. Yeah. And the habits may change because right? Right. as kids go through different exactly. stages and adjustments and your schedule you know, changes schedule changes mm-hmm. and things like that and it's oh I know we used to do this all the time but now we're going to try this right I mean that's that's yep. the concept is just looking for those opportunities when I think about Deuteronomy 6 I talk um, I use you know teach talk and tie oh yeah because <clears throat> it's the other part he talks about is um, you know he's he's like tie the word of God right yeah, you know, yeah, in, yeah. In, in their culture right they tied on their you know their, themselves yeah right for me it's just have symbols in your household right? Um, have symbols on yourself, right? That remind you of God's yeah, presence, yeah. right? Um, you know, when we talk to our kids about spiritual things, uh, our kids would get nervous or anxious before giving a speech. Mm. So we'd take a Bible verse, right? And we'd put it in their shoe and like, Hey, listen, you're standing on the word of God. Nice. And can I tell you, they loved that. Yeah. They were like, Oh, that was so cool. Like I, you know, when I was up there and I was all nervous, I remember, man, I'm standing on the word of God. Like I can do this. So I think that's that concept is, um, you know, teach, right? Sharpen mm-hmm. your kids, right? Um, talk about it, right? Mm-hmm. So just throughout your day, right? What are, what are you learning? What are you seeing in them? What are you seeing in the world? Yeah. Can I tell you that's the one thing is, is so much craziness in the world, and our kids see it, right? They're, they're on social media. They're on TV. They see, they see the news. And if they come home and you're not helping get a biblical perspective, yeah. right, that biblical worldview concept, yeah. well, when they have questions, where do they go? Because if they're not asking you, they're going to somebody else. Yeah. And so that whole talk about spiritual things, as they get older, right, and you're not talking about gender and sexuality, well, they're learning about it from somebody, yep. <laughs> right? Yeah. And then the tie, right? It's just, you know, have the Word of God and the presence of God, right, uh, kind of a, a, you know, a constant force in your home, yeah. right? I mean, have Bible verses at different places. When I, I just think this, when a person walks into your home, do they feel the presence of God when they walk in, right? I, I've got a, a great friend who's a designer, and she was telling me that the big thing right now for, for house design, right? Mm-hmm. That person saying, you know, when I want a person to walk into my house, I want them to be like impressed and amazed by something, right? That kind of draws attention to how important I am. Wow. And it's like, okay, when I want a person to walk into my house, I want them <laughs> to feel, right, one, welcome and warm. Mm-hmm. And I want them to know, right, that the presence of God is in my house. Yeah. Right? Like when you walk into Dan Panetti's house, I want you to know this is not Dan Panetti's house. He's a steward of somebody else. There's somebody else in this house. Yeah. Right? And it's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Yeah. Right? Dan just happens to live here, but this is his house. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think we should we need to have that for our kids as well. That, yep. that needs to be one of the habits of the household is when our kids come home, they realize, okay, I'm in the king's house, yeah. right? And I'm, I'm welcome here and I'm loved here. But the other part is I'm trained here, yeah. right? I was talking to somebody about, you know, safe places. It's such a big thing in our culture right now. Yeah. Is, you know, do you have a safe place? And I'm like, 
a home is a safe place, but it's also the place of the most discipline, right? My kids know that they are most loved in my home, but they're also most disciplined mm -hmm. in my home because That's love and discipline go together. Yep. So those are really important things, I think, from a man's standpoint, right, that you're going to do this. Yeah. You've got to lead your kids, and part of that isn't just loving them and letting them do whatever, right? Yeah. But loving them enough to say, hey, we're not going to do that, right? Yeah. We're not going to use those words. We're not going to treat people like this, right? We're not going to, you know, get on social media and look at these particular things. Yep. Part of that training process from a man's perspective is knowing when to say no to things as well. Yep. That's so good. Yeah. So those are the times. Um, I, I mean, I think there's a lot of other things you can do during those times. Um, you just give you one example. I love it. Yeah. Okay. So we years ago, this is before we had kids. Uh, I heard this idea from someone, and he observed how all through the Old Testament, you've got um, anytime someone either meets with God or God does something amazing, they memorialize it or they name it. They uh -huh. do something to remember it, yeah. um, or else they don't. There's plenty of examples of Israel yeah. not remembering, yeah. but yeah. God giving them feasts and stones. Passover. Got exactly. Yeah, the stones. Exactly. Yep. So he said, "What's easy to what, what can happen easily is." Our kids can grow up hearing all these stories in the Bible and think, well, that's the God of the Old Testament yeah. when he used to do all those amazing things. But does he do it anymore? But he's anymore. <laughs> so what he talked about was having some way to have a memorial in your house. Oh, that's cool. So we bought a shelf, and um, we've had three different models of it. Right now we have a newest one. But um, on this shelf is a whole bunch of just trinkets or pictures or matchbox cars, mm -hmm. uh, receipts, all these amazing things where God has either answered prayer yeah. or protected us or provided in yeah. really cool ways. Yeah. And some of the stories involve the kids, and they know them because they were there. And then we get to go, all right, how are we going to remember this? And we get to go to you know Hobby Lobby, yeah. or we get to go buy something. Totally. But That's awesome. there's other stories where it's like, hey, this is one that happened before you were born. Let me tell you this story. Yeah. And so the, the goal there is, um, like Psalm 78 talks about, of um, you're, you're telling your kids the, the mighty deeds of the Lord, what, yep. you've seen, what you've seen him do. Yep. Not just what you read, but what you've actually seen. And so... We try, maybe on a weekly basis, to have um, one of the kids pick one of the stories, and we'll just remind them. Yeah. Like, this is the same God um, that did this back before you were born, that Mom and I saw, that now you've seen, and he's going to continue to be faithful. So just even making it where it's a part of your life of just passing on these God stories that you've seen you know, God do. Yeah. Which is fun, and it's a story time. It's nothing that you really have to prepare for and let the kid pick it. And then well, the crazy thing is, that, like, you experienced it. So exactly. It's not like so you, you can't know talk it. about it. Right. right. It's like, you know, I'm not a Bible scholar. It's like, right. yeah, but you've seen God do work in your life. You've yeah. seen God show up at this. You've seen God, right? God yeah. answered a prayer. So the great thing is passing that on to your kids is, yeah. is you know, it's better than like, well, I got to go get a Bible degree so I can pass on the stories of, of ancient people and right. ancient God. It's like, no, God's real. He's alive now. Yep. Here's what I've seen him do. Right. Yep. Here, here's here's how he's participated in my life and drawn me into his story. Yeah. And I mean, that's a that's a great idea. And there have been times really when um, I mean, years ago, when I remember when the next step in our in our my job world was uh, unknown. Mm -hmm. I was clinging to those stories yeah. like the same God. OK, you provided so many ways. Right. And I'll tell you a huge blessing. Uh, my oldest son, who's married and has two kids now. Uh, to go into his house and see that he has a uh, memorial shelf cool. that he and his wife are starting that too. That's pretty cool. It's fun. Man, that's awesome. Chris, this has been great. You've got good. Uh, an incredible job, incredible opportunity ministering to the yeah. families, right, at this yep. church. Um, but you know, just your family as well, because I think that's, you know, that's the concept, right? right. When, when it, you know, I, I just think about, you know, when you think about you know elders and deacons, right, and it's just like, hey, listen, here's the deal: um, don't try to export what you haven't done exactly. in your own family. <laughs> so true, right? So we have to do that. Yeah. 
Um, and I know so many men want to be successful, right, with their families. Yeah. Um, and so just some of the practical things you've given us are, are super great. I hope guys who are listening um, are thinking about this, right, are thinking yeah. about, hey, I want to be successful in my marriage and my family. Um, and it's going to take some intentionality and it's going to take some work, but there's, there's really nothing more important, right. right? If you're successful from the world's perspective and you're not successful at home, right, it's going to be frustrating and it's going to be, it's going to leave a legacy, right? That's going to leave a bad taste in people's yeah. mouth. And, and unfortunately, not just of you, but of your God, because, because I think God works through people and through families yeah. before he works through cultures and corporations. That's right. So... Good stuff. Chris, thanks for your time. Okay, my pleasure. Thank you for listening to Training for Manhood. If you found the conversation to be valuable, make sure to rate us where you listen to podcasts. Also, check out additional content on our website, trainingformanhood.com. That's training, the number four, manhood.com. Until next time, in the words of King David, be strong and show yourself a man.